to everyone this evening. And if you are a guest with us this evening, we welcome you. We're so glad to have you in service with us this evening. Those that are joining us online this evening, wherever you're watching from, pray that you're blessed by what takes place here this evening. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out trodden underfoot of men. The Living Bible says the first part of that verse this way, you are the world's seasoning. You, the church, is the world's seasoning. The rest of the verse says to make it tolerable. The world is not supposed to be the church's seasoning. The church is supposed to be the world's seasoning. I'll just go ahead and say this real quick, so hopefully I'll leave it alone and not get on it, stay away from it. But uh, Friday night, Timothy and uh, one of his friends, we went to to see the piano guys. If you've never heard of the piano guys, it's a guy on a piano and a guy on a cello, but it's called the piano guys. And it really struck me as I sat there throughout that concert, good, clean, fun entertainment, but it really struck me throughout that concert that um, you could nowadays get confused whether or not you were at some secular concert or if you were in a church service. Because the lights and the smoke and all of that that I saw Friday night at a concert, you you now see in church. Let me read that part again. You, the church, is supposed to be the world's seasoning. We're not supposed to be seasoned by the world. The world is not supposed to change the flavor of the church. The church is supposed to change the flavor of the world. And I wonder if I'm amongst any people tonight that are interested in not being a part of a church that changes based on the world. We're not interested in the latest trends and fads and no offense to anybody else. We're not turning the lights down. If it's too bright in here for you, get clean glasses. We're not turning the lights down. There will be no smoke on this stage. Label me what you want to call me old-fashioned, call me traditional. I don't care, although I did tell you a while back, I have come to terms with being, I accept the fact, I am old-fashioned. I am fashioned by what is older than anything else. So I want to preach to you tonight from this verse on this context, the church, the preservative church, the preservative. God, I thank you for your wonderful presence. I thank you for the liberty and spirit of worship that's been in here tonight, Lord. I thank you for your presence that you've manifested. I thank you for your purpose that we are able to participate with tonight. We have not come together, Lord, just to check off a box and say we went to church on a Sunday night, but we're here because you have a purpose. It really doesn't matter where we are, when we gather together, but I believe, God, that every time two or three people get together in your name, you have a purpose. We have to find that purpose. We have to get in the flow of that purpose, but you have a purpose, and I believe you have a purpose here tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to this congregation tonight. I believe, God, that you have been doing a work in us and through us, and I pray that you would continue that tonight. I pray again tonight, Lord, that you would let me be a messenger that would speak a word from you. I don't want to be a speaker just to give us a speech here tonight, God. I want to be a messenger. I trust you for your anointing tonight. trust you to use me tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 
God bless you. You may be seated. According to history.com, the Egyptians were the first to realize the preservation possibilities of salt. Listen, listen to this next part. This is really, really interesting to me in the context of the church. Sodium, and again he says, we, you are the salt. Sodium draws the bacteria causing moisture out of foods, drying them and making it possible to store meat without refrigeration for extended periods of time. Salt draws the bacteria causing moisture out of foods. We as the salt are supposed to be drawing the bacteria out. The only answer this world has is Jesus Christ. So the only answer this world has is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has chosen to use His body, the church. We have been called to be the preservative, not to preserve the world so it can continue going on, doing what it's doing, be it. But, but we are the only thing that's keeping all of this from completely falling apart. I got to tell you, I haven't come tonight to preach to unbelievers, and I haven't come tonight to preach to skeptics, and uh, uh, there's going to be some things I think I say tonight that there are those perhaps that will not agree, will not believe it, but I'm hoping that's not the case for those that are in this sanctuary tonight. We are the salt. We are the preservative. We are the only hope this world has. Washington, D.C. is not the hope for this nation. The United Nations is not the hope for the world. There is no other organization that is the hope or the answer for the world. The only thing that has any chance of helping this world is the church. I don't know if everybody really believes that tonight, but that's okay. It's the only answer. Of course, at the end of the day, the church is not called to change the world. You got quiet on me on that one. I said the church has not been called to change the world. I, find, I don't find one thing in this book where Jesus instructed the church to go change the world. Because by the very definition of the word church, you get the idea of what the church is for. The church is the called out ones. We have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. We don't go into the world to change the world. We go into the world to find those that want to get out of what's going on in the world and help them become called out ones as well. The word preservative according to Oxford Dictionary means this. It is a substance used to preserve foodstuffs, wood or rather materials against decay. It's the substance to preserve. The church is the substance to preserve. We are the salt of the earth. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this, that we are to preserve the earth. We are to preserve it from corruption. We are to season its insipidity to freshen and sweeten it. We are the only thing that can make this world tolerable. We're the only thing. We're the only hope. The body of Christ is the, and I'm not preaching about a church tonight. I'm preaching about the church. This church is not the church. I believe we are a part of the church, but we are just a church, a part of the church. And I'm not talking about a specific brand name tonight. We're apostolic. That's what we call ourselves, but it's not about a label. It's about obeying the Word of God. If you've obeyed the Word of God, if you've done what Scripture says, the label doesn't really matter. The character and principle of Christians brought into close contact with it, with the world, are designed to arrest the festering corruption of humanity and season its insipidity. 
But how, it may be asked, are Christians to do this office for their fellow men if their righteousness only exasperate them and recoil in every form of persecution upon themselves? The answer is that is, that is but the first and partial effect of their Christianity upon the world. Though the great portion would dislike and reject the truth, a small but noble band would receive and hold it fast, and in the struggle that would ensue, one and another, even of the opposing party, would come, un- would come over to his ranks, and at length the gospel would carry all before it. The gist of that is this, not everybody's interested in what you've got. And the bottom line is, Jesus himself, when he was on this earth, didn't, I I was going to say couldn't, but I stopped, but I probably could say couldn't, but even Jesus himself didn't convert everybody. If Jesus did not convert everybody while he was on this earth, who do you or I think we are that we're going to convert everybody. But the bottom line is this, whether we convert everybody or not, we ought to be adding some flavor. There ought to be something that recognizes in them. I I may not actually know exactly what it is about you, but there's something different about you. I, I don't even know if I like what's different about you, but there's something that is different about you. But can I tell you tonight, there's a couple of things that have to happen for that to happen. First of all, for salt to salt something, it's got to be different than what it's salting. You give me two two cans of Coca-Cola and a glass to pour them into, one is not going to affect the flavor of the other. They're the same. For one thing to affect the flavor of the other, something's got to be different. And so again, it's no wonder the enemy is working so hard to get the church to become like the world. Because if the church will become more and more like the world, we're going to be less and less salty. We're not going to change the flavor of the world if we become like the world. The enemy wants us to think we need to act like the world, we need to look like the world, we need to dress like the world, we need to talk like the world. That is, that's absolutely wrong. As I've said numerous times, and I'll keep saying, I'm not promoting here tonight a pharisaical, self-righteous attitude. I'm not promoting an attitude that says we're better than anybody else, because but for the grace of God, If it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for His grace and His mercy, we wouldn't be here either. We're not here because we're better than anybody else. We're not here because we deserve it. We're here because one day Jesus called my name. One day I had the opportunity to repent of my sins, to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not better than anybody else because of that. But I don't have to be like everybody else. So it's salt's going to salt something. It's got to be different. The other thing has got to happen. There's got to be some proximity. You sit down at the table to eat your dinner, and you've got your food on your plate, and there's a salt shaker sitting in the center of the table. The potential of that salt is there. But until it gets in proximity to the food, Until it gets close to the food, it doesn't change the flavor. There's got to be some contact. Jesus prayed in John towards the end of his ministry. He said, Lord, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I'm not not praying that you separate them from the world, but I'm praying that you keep them in the world. If our faith and our commitment and our dedication is not strong enough for us to go into the world and not be like the world, we are missing something. 
We should still be able to go into the world, but not become like the world. How many people on your job, whether they've said it or not, how many people on your job sit sometimes and wonder, man, I I don't know what it is about them, but there's just something different. There's something different. Again, the problem is if you if you talk the same way they talk, if you shoot if you use the same words they use, if you talk about the, the same topics they talk about, if you talk about your boss the same way they talk about the boss, then that then you're not flavoring anything. You and I have been called to change the flavor of our surroundings. Biblical illustrator says, as salt prevents corruption and decay in animal and vegetable matters, so Christian character is the antidote antidote of vice in the individual and in society. Something else I've said many times and I'll say again this evening, the issues in our world today, it's not the fault of Hollywood. It's not the fault of the entertainment world. It's, it's, it's not the fault of our government. You want, to, you want to find out, you want to know where the fault of what's going on in our world today? It's the pulpit. Because when we don't want to stand for what is right, and we want everybody just to be comfortable blending in to their surroundings, and, and, and we don't want to preach that sin is sin. Sin was sin, sin is sin. Sin will be sin. Call it a disease, call it whatever you want to call it, but according to this book, it is sin. And the problem is, if you don't identify it as what it is, you won't deal with it the way you have to deal with it. Anybody ever gotten a wrong diagnosis before? Anybody ever got a wrong diagnosis and they prescribed you some medicine for, the, for what they thought it was? And so, therefore, it did not do anything. They're they're humans. They're limited. I'm not here bashing the medical profession tonight. They're, they're, They're limited. The problem is, until you properly diagnose it, you can't properly treat it. So when we don't call sin, sin, we're never going to properly deal with it. Because the way to deal with sin is not to make people feel better about their sin. The way to deal with sin is not to get people to think it's really okay, God's really all right with it. You're just, you know, that, that's not the way to deal with sin. There's only one way to deal with sin. First of all, the thing you must do is you've got to repent of your sin. And repenting of your sin is not simply an apology, oh, my bad, God, you know. Repentance is a change of heart and change of mind. And by the way, you don't just repent the first time you got saved. You need to repent probably just about every day. But if repentance, boy, this isn't in the notes, but here we go. If repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind, if you tell God you're sorry for what you did, but you still don't think it's really wrong, have you repented? Until you make up your mind, you're not going to keep doing it over and over again. Have you really repented? No, you may have apologized, but God's not interested in your apology. He's interested in repentance, a change of direction, a change of heart, a change of mind. That's the only way to deal with sin. When the church... Again, I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching Phariseeism. I'm not, I, I, I'm not preaching being holier than now. I, I said it before. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, and I'm pretty sure none of them are watching. It would be awesome if they were, but I'm pretty sure none of them are watching. But, but I, 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 I played racquetball for years in the mornings at Severna Park Racquetball Club, and since COVID, all the guys I played in a league with basically stopped playing, and, and they all started playing pickleball. And so Brother Lewis started me on it a couple of months ago, and, and and uh, he got me he got me kind of hooked on it and so I I've, I've been going and playing I usually go maybe once twice a week at the most I go up early in the morning and play and 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 if I had a hundred dollars for every time I hear the f word 
I, I could, I think I could just about pay off my house. I'm not, I'm not preaching isolation tonight. And you know what? There's been numerous times. Every now and then somebody say, hey, don't, hey, don't, hey, don't forget, that's, that's the preacher over there. That's the pastor over there. And I, you know what I do? I get my Bible out and I give them a lecture on why it's wrong to use profanity. Of course not. Whatever. Because I, I don't have my spirit open to it. I don't have my heart open to it. And you know what? Apparently I'm affecting the flavor a little bit because I'm pretty sure all the other mornings all the same stuff gets said, but nobody ever thinks twice. We are supposed to be in the world. We're just not supposed to be of the world. I said we're supposed to be in the world. We're just not supposed to be of the world. Who I am, what I am, what I do, how I do it, the way I think, the way I feel is not to be influenced by the world. It's to be influenced by the Word of God and the Spirit of God that dwells within me. And as I read just a moment ago, no, not everybody's going to want what you have. But first of all, that's not an excuse to not be who you're supposed to be. But also, it's to look for those that may be looking for something that tastes a little bit different. We are the salt. We are the preservative. Here's where I'm probably going to, I may, I may, I may test a few of you's faith here. I really hope not, but I, I am quite certain there's so many people in this world that will not agree with where I'm about to go for basically the remainder of this message. But the world does not understand. The reason it's not any worse than it already is is because of the church. As crazy and chaotic as this world is, the reason it's not worse is because there's a preservative. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7 says this, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. There's something that's already at work in this earth. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Paul is saying there's something that is at work. There is iniquity that is at work in this world right now. But it is only able to do so much because there is something that is preventing it. There's something that's keeping it back from being worse than it is. If you think abortion is bad and the numbers are bad, what do you think it would be like if the church wasn't here? So I acknowledge we may not be changing the world to become just like Jesus, but I'm here to tell you tonight without hesitation, there are some things in this world that the world does not realize that the church is making a difference and the church is holding some things off and you better look out because when the church is no longer here, if you think it's bad right now, Let me give you a couple of Old Testament examples. Again, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel represented the church, and so natural examples of spiritual things. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 17, the, the Lord is, is decreed. He has stated that He is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Exodus or Genesis 18, 17. The Lord says, this, this, is a, this is such an amazing thing. The Lord has made up His mind that He's going to do something. But before He does it, before He decides to go do what, he, what He's about to do, He says, I, 
am I going to hide this from Abraham? And I, I would like to think somehow I have enough of a relationship with God. I, I would like to think that God would think, you know what, before I go and do what I'm about to do, I, 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 let, let, me, let me go, I, I need to go tell David first. Shall I, shall I hide this thing which I'm going to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? God, you're about to destroy this city for all of its wickedness. You're about to wipe this city off the map because of all of the sinfulness. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. I'm, I'm fed up with Sodom and what's going on. I don't know what the population was, but it was more than 50. I would, I would suppose it was probably thousands. And, and, and so God didn't say, if, I can, if you can find me a majority, I'll spare the city. God said, if you can just find 50 righteous people, I will hold off my judgment for 50. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have not, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. With that, wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? What, what he's saying is, if, if I can find forty-five, will you hold off? Apparently, Abraham wasn't too confident. God, if I can find 45, will you spare the city? And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be 40 found, or 40 and 5 found there. And he spake unto him and said, There shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, God, please, please don't get angry with me for asking this, but if I could just find. 30? And he said, I will not do it if you find 30. And he said, Behold, now I, I have taken upon me to speak unto you. I, I, I've gotten myself into this, Lord, so I don't. Why stop now? If I could just find 20. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once. If I could, if I could just find ten, would you, would you not destroy the city? He got him all the way down from fifty to ten. God, if I can just find some salt. 
Lord, I, I know what's going on in Sodom, in Sodom and Gomorrah is despicable. I, I know, God, it deserves your wrath, but if I could just find a little salt, would you, would you hold off on destroying Sodom? I, I, I believe there's no, there's no indication otherwise. If, if Abraham, Abraham would have said, God, if I could just find one, I mean, if he got God all the way down to 10 from 50, I think he probably could have gotten him down to one. But for whatever reason, Abraham stopped. But God was willing to hold off judgment on those cities because there was a preservative. Read through Scripture and see what other places say in Scripture about God's obligation based on what He did to Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if you destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, you owe it to, you owe it to Sodom and Gomorrah to judge some others. You can't, you can't not let this happen. You can't not judge them if you judge them. But if I can just if I can find some salt, if I just have some salt, I, 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 I'm, I'm not here to stir up a theological debate and discussion, but there is, but there is various opinions as far as when the rapture is going to take place, whether that's before tribulation or after tribulation. If God was willing to get Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before he destroyed it. Stand to reason to me, God's not going to punish the salt. Genesis 7, God has spoken to Noah to build an ark. He's going to destroy the earth. They've done that. They've now gotten in the ark and it came to pass, verse 10, and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. For 120 years, Noah's building an ark and preaching judgments coming. And as long as Noah was building, everybody was safe. No converts. I get discouraged sometimes because we don't grow more. Noah preached for 120 years and never had one convert. The only people that got on the ark were the people he started with. But he never stopped preaching. He never stopped declaring what was going to come just because there were no results. God, help us not to ever let what we believe and preach and teach and stand for be affected by numbers. Numbers do not determine truth. Show me one place in the Bible where the majority was right. If you're judging right and wrong by the majority, you are going to judge wrongly. Many are called, few are chosen. It was not until Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives had gotten onto the ark that the floods began. The ark is representative of the church. Because as long as they weren't in the ark, there was a preservative. There's all kind of debate about whether there is a God. There's people that swear there is no God. There are those that they're just unsure. I'm here tonight to tell you. The scripture says, does the unbelief of some make the word of God to none effect? No. Let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the majority says. Truth is still the truth. Watch this. This is a little bit different context, but, but still the same principle. Genesis 39 and verse number 1. Joseph has been sold by his brothers. He's 
been taken to Egypt. He's been sold into Potiphar's house and made a slave in Potiphar's house. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him off, brought him up, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. It wasn't until there was some salt You know what I believe tonight? I believe and I realize not all of you are working for places that may necessarily be prospering. But I believe there's people here tonight that the only reason the place you work is prospering is because you're there. Because you're salt. And God's using all that for your sake. And you're bringing blessings they don't even know you're bringing. Wow. You know why some of your neighborhoods aren't in worse condition than they are? They don't realize we got some salt in this neighborhood. You know why some of your schools are not worse than they are? Nobody's celebrating you. Nobody's acknowledging you. But God looks down and says, well, I got some preservative here. And because I've got some preservative here, I can hold some things off. I can prevent some negative, bad things from happening. The ark of the Lord had been taken from the children of Israel and the Philistines had it. David went to get it, to bring it back to its rightful place. In the process of doing that, David didn't do it the way they were supposed to do it. and It cost a man his life. And David, in his anger, frustration with what took place, he took the ark and put it in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. A little while later, David gets word. There's something that's going on in the house of Obed-Edom. There, there, there's something different there. there something has changed. Uh, there, there's, there's a transformation. What is the transformation? The transformation is the presence of God is, is now there. There's a preservative there that wasn't there before. And David gets upset about that and says, you know what, we're definitely going to get the ark. We're going to do it the right t- we're going to do it the right way now, but we're we're going, we're going to go get it now. You and I are the preservative. You know, that this is this is this is an important part of, of what we do. But, but you know what we do here? You know what we're doing when we come together Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night? That's what we're doing. We're getting charged up. We're getting rejuvenated. We're getting revived. You say, well, you got a strange definition of rejuvenation. Well, sometimes you put, you know, you take something to the shop and they got to they got to beat on it a little bit. They got to twist on it some. They got to. This is, we, we come here to get charged up so that we can go back out there and be salt and be light. We come in here and get, we get renewed, we get revived so that we can go back out there and change the atmosphere around us. 
cause somebody to think, you know what, again, I I don't know what it is about you, but there's, there's something different about you. Things change around here when, when you're around. That's why I think, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest health issues in our world today is autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune disease is when the body attacks itself. Things and ways in which the body was supposed to function, it's not functioning properly and it now starts working against itself. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again tonight. If the natural body can have autoimmune diseases, the spiritual body can get autoimmune diseases. And there's some autoimmune diseases that have crept into the church because we attack things we shouldn't be attacking. We tear down things that we shouldn't be tearing down. No, we absolutely should not come here three times a week and go through the same ritual, the same program, do the same thing every single time, do our little quick three songs and move on to the preaching, do a little 20-minute message and leave out of here. But that's the, the problem is not coming together. Because there's something that can happen so that you can be revived and renewed to go back out and to be what you are supposed to be supposed to put things back the way you found them, so let me do that real quick. Well, I'm going to save time and not plug it in. I'll, I'll plug it in after church, even though I'll forget. I know me. My wife knows me. We are the, the preservative. Oh, no, no, no. We, 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 we don't get parades and we don't get parties thrown for us because of how awesome we are. The, but the world has no idea. The world has no idea how much we are impacting its condition. I know we can, I know we can do a better job. I know, we, I know all of that. I'm not saying we're doing as good as we could do. I, I, I don't know that we ever are doing as good as we could do. You. I are the preservative. Collectively, we're the preservative. Individually, can I challenge some people here tonight? Would would you would you take a would you take an inventory of yourself and and, and would you would you go through some things and 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 honestly evaluate when when you go to work tomorrow? Are you being salt? Are you being salt? I'm I'm so weary of all the things that we've had to learn to organize in the church because we don't just be who we're supposed to be. it's, It's a common thing. Churches have outreach departments. How do you have an outreach department when the purpose of the church is outreach? How do you relegate the mission of the church to a department? We're not called to do, folks. We're called to be. The reason we have to organize doing is because we're not being. reason we have to come up with programs to do is because we're not just simply being. If we will be, the problem is you can do without being, but you can't truly be without doing. I said you can You can do without really being. That's why Christianity's gotten such a bad rap. Because you can do church, but not really be a saint. You can do church and not really act like a Christian. But if you are becoming what you are supposed to be in Him, the result of that will be you will do. 
called to be the preservative. Again, I, I readily acknowledge the condition of this world. And I, I've heard some that, well, if the church was so great, how come the world's not better than it is? Well, tonight I've come to argue the opposite. If it's as bad as it is, what do you think it would be without the church? If the preservative was removed from the picture, and one day it will be. It's all, there's something that's already working. We see it, we read it, we watch it. It's already working. We, you hear about it sitting in classrooms, not just in, you know, it used to be it was just in colleges where they were trying to brainwash you. Now it's all the way down to the beginning. You think it's bad the way it is if there was not a preservative? If the church wasn't the church. Because there's something already working, but it's not free to do all that it wants to do because there's something that's holding it back. That's what you and I, we, we, whether they know it or not, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, the world needs us. Anybody, anybody believe that tonight? You and I, you and I are not here just for her own soul's sake. Oh, we are here because I want to go to heaven. I don't want to be lost, but but we're not here just to take care of ourselves. We're we're not here just for our own benefit. We're here because there's a world that its only hope is that there is a preservative. Stand, please. And I've heard in the last couple of weeks since the first night I preached from these verses I've heard several testimonies I've heard several testimonies of people that are being stirred and challenged and most of them are people that are already been living it anyway. I'm going to say it again. I've said it when I preached from these verses over the course of the last several weeks. This is not intended to be a uh, subconscious church growth message. not intended to be some kind of hidden way of motivating us to grow the church. You and I being salt and light in this world is way bigger than trying to get people to come and sit in a sanctuary. And I want to challenge you again. I guess I don't know if I've really quite acknowledged it or confessed it. I know I haven't to anybody publicly, but I don't even know if I fully acknowledge it or confessed it to just to the Lord. But but I think, Brother Barr, I think over the course of the last probably several months at least, one of the one of the things I keep finding myself coming back to is is just trying to recalibrate the things that I have developed as the measurements of success. There are things based on my calling, based on what I do, based on being a pastor. There are are measurements that have become measurements that really aren't supposed to be the measurements. The problem is usually when you measure by the wrong thing, you come up with the wrong information the wrong analysis so 
This is not this is not about you and I being able to brag about how many people we are personally responsible for seeing baptized and and, and how many people we've taught a Bible study to because because I truly believe when we are truly doing what we are called to do, there's a lot of times we aren't going to actually see the results. Not because there aren't results, but it's just our job in that moment was to sow a seed. Was to just speak a word of encouragement or hope, or maybe it was to share the plan of salvation, but there's not an immediate response. But we trust that you know what? I was I was just being what I was supposed to be. And the results are up to God. They're God's, they're God's problem. They're God's responsibility. Your job and my job is just to be. I wonder if I could. It's 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 only seven thirty. I know there's food downstairs and all that wonderful stuff. But I want to make it a. I think most of the time, when at least when I preach, and in the context of when I preach, that give an altar call at the end and most of the time it's it's an individually based thing I, I want to give an invitation tonight to us that I want to invite those that would to come join me at the altar as a demonstration of us saying God we not I not right now God it's not just me but we we God want to be the salt that we're supposed to be. We don't want to just be salt that stays in the salt shaker. We don't want to be just salt that sits on the table that has all kinds of potential. But we want to be salt that can preserve. Lord, there's there's communities that we live in that need preservation. Lord, there's schools that we go into that they need a preservative. Lord, there's people we interact with on the job that need the church to be the preservative. It's the only hope. It's the only answer. God, we present ourselves to you tonight as a body. I know the body is made up of individuals, but we present ourselves to you tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We want to be the preservative that Anne Arundel County needs. We want to be the preservative that our region needs. Oh, God, we want to be the salt and the light that you've called us to be. Oh, God, we want to be we want to be the salt that we're called to be. We want to be the preservative that our world needs, God. We want to be the preservative that our world needs, God. In the workplace, in our communities, in the places of business we go, in our schools, in the stores that we go into, in the restaurants we go into, God. We want to be the salt. We want to be the salt we're supposed to be. We want to be the preservative. We want to be the preservative that this world needs. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
agree my desire so passionately is to be what you've called me if you're not already doing it why don't you lift your hands and close your eyes and sing this as your prayer tonight say yes Lord I agree my desire passionately is to be what you've called me to be oh that's what I'll be I say yes yes you.